So tonight, we're talking about Jesus is the best. Jesus is the best. Say it with me. Jesus is the best. He's the best communicator. He's the best mediator. He's the best hope enabler. He's the best savior. He's the best covenator. He's the best equipper. A covenator is somebody who makes covenants. And he's made a new covenant with us. So let's turn to the book of Hebrews. We're starting in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Now Hebrews is written to primarily Jews uh, that are struggling with becoming, well, Jewish Christians who are struggling to go back to Judaism. And so it's also an argument for, a sermon for Jews to come become Christians. And so uh, the author of Hebrews, who is unknown, uh, writes this sermon and this letter to Jews, perhaps in Italy. So let's start there in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the best communicator. God has spoken to us by his son. Now, his son is not just any ordinary son. Let's, let's see what it says here. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sin, he, Jesus, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much, did it skip? Nope. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is much excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be a father and he shall be a son. And again, he brings the firstborn into the world. He says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, verse 11. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you, Jesus, are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my ha right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore, we must pay closer attention 
to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great a salvation? For it has been declared at first by the Lord, by Jesus, and it is attested to us by those who heard the apostles. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed amongst his body according to his will. Wow. Jesus is the best communicator of God's message because Jesus is God. <laughs> he created everything. He's the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three, one God, three persons. And he is the best communicator. And, and the Hebrews uh, author is saying, hear him, hear him, hear what he has to say. God has spoken to us in his son, hear him. And as we go on, we're going to see that he is the best everything that God has to offer. And so we are called to receive him, to take him at his word, to take him seriously. And you're going to notice as you were reading through a the book of Hebrews that there is a tension. There's a tension of assurance of salvation, and there's a tension that we should not neglect the salvation, and that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and calls us into obedience, we should not ignore him. And this is a tension. And in our culture, we like to just not have tension. We like one thing but here in this book, and I think in Scripture, oftentimes we walk in a tension. And that is the tension of making sure that we stay tight with God with a little bit of healthy fear, but also knowing for, with full assurance that God has us. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. There, before we learned how he is the best communicator, and now we will read about this next section. So in two, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Therefore the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Amen. Praise the Lord. The devil has been destroyed. The power of death has been destroyed. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. And, the, oh, went the wrong way. Wrong button. There we go. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. 
a substitution. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. That's what that word propitiation means. He took your punishment so you don't have to. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. How many here are tempted? We're all tempted, aren't we? We're all tempted. I want you to know that tonight and every time you are tempted, he is there to help you who are being tempted. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have an high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. I jumped ahead, by the way, so we jumped ahead to chapter 4 if you're looking for that verse. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, Jesus is the best mediator. Why is he the best mediator? First off and foremost, he went through everything that we did, but he's God, and so when we know him, we know the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's the best mediator. He was tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. He is able to empathize or sympathize with your weakness. Therefore, you can draw near to the throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help in your time of need. He is the best mediator. In every situation that you're in, he's the best mediator. His presence is there walking with you. His grace is there empowering you. He is there changing you. He is there with you through the fire, through the difficulty, through the hardship. He's the best mediator. We all know this psalm quite well, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by uh, he leads me in paths of righteousness. No, I think that's later on. I'm messing it up. I thought I could just quote this, but then you get in front of people, and I'm not even in front of that many people. But I want to draw attention to is verse five. It says in verse five that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's that mediator there in the presence of my enemies, and he's preparing a feast. And that next part says, my cup runneth over. And it only runs over if I focus on Jesus and the feast and not on my enemies. And oftentimes we give the enemy a seat at the table that God has prepared for just us. But he's the best mediator because in his power and in his grace, we can (laughs) remove the enemy from the table. We don't have to listen 
to the lies that he tells us or the accusations that he makes because Jesus is your mediator. He has cleansed you. He has made you new, a new creation. Where you stand spotless and blameless in your newness before God. And God loves you and God likes who you are for he made you. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Jesus is the hope enabler. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you, and I will multiply you. And thus, Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is a final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled re for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope, Jesus, that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, into the Holy of Holies, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Wow, he is the best hope enabler. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, where he makes intercession for you and for me. And if that doesn't bring hope, I don't know what will. He's ran before us. He's gone before us. He laid out the way, and he's empowering and enabling us to follow. He's our hope enabler. He puts hope in our hearts. Because he's gone before. Because he sympathizes with our weaknesses. Because he knows what you need and he's giving it to you. Because his mercies and his grace are new every morning. And we can come boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help in the time of need. In the darkest point, in the hardest parts, he's a hope enabler. Hope in him. As the psalmist says to his soul, hope in, in the Lord, my soul, for I will yet praise him. Jesus. That anchor of the soul, that, that is a hope that has gone before us. That, that at his death, the, the curtain that separated the, 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 the holy of holies from the rest of the tabernacle tore from top to bottom. Why? Because it needed to show that God had opened the way 
through Jesus to be in his presence. That God had became flesh and dwelt among us and put to death sin and death and put to death sin in our lives and created us anew, new creations to walk in the newness of life, to come into the very presence of God. There's no longer a court in between us for Christ has bridged the gap. Christ, God himself, brings us into the communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's the hope in Abelum, the best hope in Abelum. And that hope is not, oh, I hope it happens, but it is a sure and steadfast hope that we know is going to happen. Hebrews 7.15, this becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not only the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of the indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a formal commandment is set aside because of its weakness and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath. For the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and, sworn and not, will not change his mind. You are priests forever. This makes Jesus the guarantee of a better covenant. He is the covenator. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, hold his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always makes, always lives to make intercession for them. He will save to the uttermost, completely, not three-fifths, not seven-three-quarters, not half, not 95%, not 99.99.9, and you got to do the word percent. No, he saves to the uttermost. He saves you completely. And he lives to make intercession for you. So it was fitting, indeed fitting, that we should have a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Since he did this once for all when he offered up himself upon the cross. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. He is our best Savior. He saves us to the uttermost. There's not anything left, not anything lacking. We are saved to the uttermost. <laughs> wow, that's exciting. That's good news. I don't have to fret. I don't have to walk in fear because God has saved me to 
the uttermost. If I have not confessed Jesus as Lord, and I have not believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, and I have not made that profession, then maybe I should make sure I hear what God has said. God has spoken to us in his son. He is the best savior. He is the best communicator. He is the best mediator. There's no other better options. Will I hear the Holy Spirit's call on my life? And will I respond in faith? Saying, yes, I believe. Yes, he's the best savior. Hebrews 8. Now to the point that we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in holy places, in the true tent the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, thus it is necessary for this priest to have something to offer. Now, if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve as a copy, a shadow of heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ, the Messiah, has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent. It's best than the old. As a covenant, he mediates is better, since he is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there had been no occasion for, to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them out by my hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law upon, laws into their minds. I will write them upon their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor, each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least to the greatest of them, they shall know me. For I will be merciful to those iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Jesus is the best covenator. He's made this new covenant with us where we are washed and we are made new creation. He's writing his law upon our hearts and, and, and putting it in our minds. And, and we are growing into the fullness of the Lord. And, and there is a time when that will come to full completion in the new heaven and new earth. And we will no longer need to teach each other for we will all know him. The best covenant or the new covenant. Oh, that Jesus has brought in a contract between us and God that's unbreakable by God, unbreakable by us, because he's transformed us and made us new. 
Well, what's all this have to say? Well, he's the best communicator. He's the best mediator. He's the best hope in Abriel. He's the best savior. He's the best covenator. And last of all, he's the best equipper. Let's receive this prayer upon your lives. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you, (laughs) George, equip you with everything that you may do. Walking in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. He's the best equipper. He's equipped you for every walk that you need to do. And it isn't a list, it's a relationship. It's a leaning into him, a a walking with him in the moment to moment and just trusting in his sovereign grace, walking and breathing and, and moving through your finitude. He doesn't expect any of us to be superheroes. He doesn't expect any of us to, ha- to do supernatural things or creatures created in his image, created to represent him here on earth. But we're not God. We're not infinite. We all live in finitude. And let him equip you for your walk in this day, in this moment, because he is the best equipper. So some of us, that's letting go, saying, wait a minute, maybe all this stuff that I want to do or that I think I should do, maybe that's not what I'm supposed to do. Maybe I've just been spending all my time just trying to measure up and, 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 and and please him. And I just have news for you. He's already pleased with you. Because he did that work on the cross. To change you and transform you. And really what he wants from you is a, a life that is leaning into him. And, and accepting his love for you. Does sin grieve? Sure. It does. But it doesn't grieve him in a in a disappointing and in a, in a punitive way. It, it grieves him in the sense that he knows how much it hurts you, and he wants to see you grow and, and blossom into your new creation that he's called you into. He's the best equipper. Will you let him equip you? Will you just take on his easy yoke? Come to me, he says, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you more walk. <laughs> Is that what he says? No, he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for it is easy and light. He is the equipper to carry this yoke, to, to plow the field with him for the ministry, for the gospel, for the kingdom. And so oftentimes we pick up the yoke or a yoke, it's not his, and we are just like, I'm doing it, Jesus, look at me. 
Oh, it's like, oh, we do it for a little bit, and then we're like, it's too heavy, I'm done. We sit down. And it's because he's called us to come alongside him and walk with him in the yoke. He didn't call us to carry the yoke by ourselves. He called us to carry it with him. He's the best equipper. Jesus is the best. The best communicator, the best mediator, the best hope enabler. He's the best savior to the uttermost. He's the best covenator. He's given us a new covenant by his blood. Washed away all our sin. And he's the best equipper to walk with him in his yoke. So as you go home this evening and you go about your week, may you continue to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the best for you. He's what God has given you. Engage him. Believe what he said because he is the best communicator. Know that he is representing to you you before God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by him you enter into the very presence of God. You are, he is the best mediator. Hold on to that hope that this is not all there is. That there is uh, eternity with him. And that not only that this is not all there is, but that he is walking in this mess to, to change you, to, to make things, make you better, make you more like Jesus and, and if you're worried about that salvation and you're worried about whether or not you're saved, know that he saves you to the uttermost. <laughs> he doesn't save you 50%, 75%, 99.9%. .9%. He saves you 100% fully. And he did that by being the covenantal. He did that in the new covenant that... that It's just so much better than the yoke. And know that he equips you because he is the equipper. Just walk in these truths and just maybe pick one <laughs> to think about this week. Those six there, that's a lot. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the best. The best that God has to offer, and that is so much better than anything else. We thank you that you, the best, have called us to be in relationship with you. And we pray that we'd be able to engage that, that you would equip us. You, the, the best equipper, would equip us to do that. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.